Well, good morning, Greenwich, and welcome to the Friday, March 11th edition of the Basement Academy. Our morning psalm, Psalm 131, is one of the pilgrim psalms that God's people Israel would sing or recite as they would make their way up to Jerusalem, and it seems to capture um, reality, the reality of the kingdom that was always so. Jesus is announcing the kingdom in the Beatitudes, but that kingdom has always been characterized by such truths. And Psalm 131 has this really sweet, um, there's a posture, an orientation um, that, that it offers. So, so this is Psalm 131. My heart is not proud, O Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. But I have stilled and quieted my soul. Like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, put your hope in the Lord, both now and forevermore. Mm. Lord, may we be like this weaned, satisfied, comforted child, not concerning ourselves with uh, great great matters. Help us to receive your kingdom. Hmm. Okay, uh, to wrap up our week and to wrap up a little bit of an extended reflection on the Beatitudes, uh, they're so important to understand what's happening here. What I want to do this morning is just kind of go through each of them just one at a time, very briefly. But I also want to read from the message um, which is Eugene Peterson's translation, and he, he he intentionally is rendering these in different language so that we might, you know, kind of hear them to kind of re recapture a little bit of the edge uh, that they they carry, because we, in becoming so familiar, we, we really don't hear them anymore. So here's how Eugene writes. When Jesus saw his ministry drawing huge crowds, he climbed a hillside. Those who were apprenticed to him, the committed, climbed with him. Arriving at a quiet place, he sat down and taught his climbing companions. This is what he said. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and his rule. You're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. You're blessed when you're content with just who you are. No more, no less. That's the moment you find yourselves proud owners of everything that can't be bought. You're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. He's food and drink in the best meal you'll ever eat. You're blessed when you care. At the moment of being careful, you find yourself cared for. You're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and heart put right. Then you can see God in the outside world. You're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. That's when you discover who you really are 
and your place in God's family. You are blessed when your commitment to God provokes persecution. The persecution drives you even deeper into God's kingdom. Not only that, count yourselves blessed every time people put you down or throw you out or speak lies about you to discredit me. What it means is that the truth is too close for comfort and they are uncomfortable. You can be glad when that happens. Give a cheer even. For though they don't like it, I do, and all heaven applauds. And know that you are in good company. My prophets and witnesses have always gotten into this kind of trouble. Amen. That's different, isn't it? (laughs) Okay. And so blessed are the poor in spirit, these who have nothing, (laughs) these who are empty, who recognize their emptiness. My heart is not proud, my eyes not haughty, that those who... um, who come to the end of the rope, as Eugene writes it. Most of us have a sense of self-sufficiency that we can figure things out. We can do things on our own. We're smart enough, clever enough, resourceful enough, stubborn enough. We don't want to ask for help. See, a lot of us are like that. We don't mind helping others. We're, we're all in for helping others. Ooh, I don't ask for help. Blessed are those who ask for help. Blessed are those who understand, I got nothing. I can't can't do this one on my own. That's the posture of the kingdom, to be able to receive the kingdom. And so each of these beatitudes kind of speaks of some posture or orientation of readiness to receive or ability or capacity to receive the kingdom. So when we're full of ourselves, there's no room for God. I like the way Eugene uh, says it. So with less of you, there is more of God. So blessed are the poor in spirit. You can't do this thing on your own, okay? None of us can. We have to acknowledge we need help. Uh, Blessed are those who mourn. Obviously, there's the the mourning and the weeping over our own losses, loved ones. You know, many of us in Greenwich have lost loved ones in in, in recent months, years. But there's a mourning, a posture of mourning that that recognizes the the loss in our world. (laughs) Weeping over what's happening in Ukraine right now. Weeping what's happening in other parts of the world that maybe don't get as much notice anymore. What's happening in Burma, the civil war that's happening there that that drove our dear friends Austin and Sinte House back here to be with us. We're glad for that, but, but they mourn family members and loved ones and others and what's happening to the work in Burma and, and, and in so many places, so many, what's happening at our southern border where there's so many people who, who are lost. They've got nothing back home. They're trying to get here. They can't get here. Oh my goodness. And so there's a mourning, there's a posture of weeping over the brokenness of our world wherever it shows up. I weep. I I. I groan over all that's happening in the transgender world. You know, you can get frustrated about the, you know, the politics of the thing. But these people who don't feel any comfort in their own skin, who have no idea who they are, that just breaks my heart. 
I, I want to get away from all the political nonsense of the transgender thing, and I'm frustrated by the, it being forced on us. I'm frustrated too. But just think, to have a child or to be a person who has no idea whether you're a boy or a girl, that just breaks my heart, and that's, that's a sign of the fall. So the mourning, we who weep <laughs> over the brokenness of the world, there is a comfort. When, when we realize, Lord, this world is so messed up, we begin to look for the comfort. And so when you feel you've lost what's most dear to you, a sense of orientation and all, you, you, you are embraced by the one most dear to you. Uh, blessed are the meek. I always like this one, right? <laughs> blessed are the meek. They will inherit the earth. Direct citation or quotation from Psalm 37, uh, verse 11. And it's this notion, meekness is not weakness. It sometimes is confused with that. We think of, oh, to be meek is to be weak. No. Meekness, th there's a gentleness that, that's associated with that. <clears throat> yes, so that's true. But meekness has to do with a refusal. So if you read Psalm 37, it's a recognition <laughs> that there are those, the powerful, the wicked, those who are forcing themselves on people. And there are some of us who are just going to say, you know, I ain't going to fight you. I'm going to trust that God's going to make this thing right. There may be a dispute, a property dispute, the boundary, you know, whether, whether this boundary has been moved. So again, you go back to ancient Israel, you know, it, everything was marked up by boundary stones, right? We didn't have quite the same, under, I mean, the same property lines as we survey them now. And so the meek are those who, though sometimes pushed and bullied about, have a strength within them. The word actually can sometimes be used of the horse that is bridled, a strength under control. The meek are those who refuse to seek revenge, refuse to lash out, refuse to try to take things into their own hands to go get, uh, we're going to settle this score once and for all. The meek are those who trust God to set things right, to vindicate. Mm, that is really different. God, you're big enough to figure this thing out. You see my need. You see the situation. I entrust myself to you. That is meekness. Blessed are the meek. They will inherit the earth. They will, they will get what's theirs. <laughs> They're not going to seize it themselves. They will receive this in due time when God sees, sees fit to bring it to them. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Of course, um, the, the Old Covenant, the Old Testament is filled with righteousness and justice, right? The, these are the foundations of God's kingdom and God's throne. And so blessed are those who yearn for things to be set right, who, who, who have this deep passion for that, who yearn for that they look at the poverty, they look at the racism, they look at the, the brokenness of our society, but they know that God is the solution, not governments, not bullying legislation, not canceling culture, okay? I want things to be set right, but I recognize God ultimately is the one who has to set it right. And so have that passion for... Um, 
for justice, have that pop, that, that passion for social justice and the outcast and inclusion uh, and diversity, all of those things. But we recognize that God is the one who brings that about, ultimately through Jesus Christ. Again, we'll, we'll talk more about that. But God is the one who is going to break down dividing walls of hostility between Jew and Gentile, black and white, male and female, um, rich and poor. But I am going to labor. I'm going to seek that. I'm going to pursue that. I'm hungry for that. That drives me on in my life. For you, for whom that is true, you're ready to receive this kingdom. You will be filled there is a kingdom of righteousness and justice and peace that exceeds anything this world could m- manipulate and manufacture by legislation or bullying or, you know, canceling. And so there's this wonderful application uh, today, I think. Uh, blessed are the merciful. Um, I like the way Eugene says it. Um, bless, you're blessed when you care. At the moment of being careful, you find yourself cared for. It's the note, mercy has to do with, um, uh, there's a generosity of spirit. Um, I'm not going to, you know, we need accountability in the world. I get all that. I get all that. I get all that. But those who want accountability themselves don't always want to be held accountable, right? And so rather than seeking accountability and we're going to hold people, we got, we're going to hold their feet to the fire and we're going to, you know, lower the boom. God lowers the boom, right? So we're going to let God take care of those things. The merciful are those who, when we've been offended, when we've been, uh, somebody has said something or done something that to cross us, to harm us, I'm not, I'm not going to hold it against him. And so I am going to pardon. I am going to forgive this this quality of mercy. I'm going to understand there's probably other things going on in your life that I don't fully understand that maybe prompted you in this moment to do something that I know you regret. I'm not going to hold that against you. I'm going to count on something bigger going on, a a bigger settling of scores. And so for the merciful, they find that they receive mercy. And so this is why Jesus ties, <clears throat> forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. If you don't forgive your debtors, then Jesus said, well, I guess you don't understand that you've been forgiven a great debt. And so he's announcing this notion that there's a far greater debt that we owe to God in the kingdom of heaven than anybody on earth could ever incur against us. So blessed are the merciful who somehow get that, live out of this tender place of our, our shared, broken, fallen humanity that we just flub and stumble and, and clutch things up all the time. And when we live that way towards others, we find that we ourselves are, are pardoned, are, are, are shown mercy. Uh, blessed are the pure in heart. <clears throat> there is this, this, this focus, this... Um, to be pure in heart, I think at some level has to have integrity of heart, not integrity in the sense of not being disintegrated, not being um, broken and shattered apart. Uh, Psalm 86, unite my heart. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. Recognizing that sin and all these things just kind of shatter us. 
and we have many purposes. <laughs> and, and the pure in heart have this overriding purpose to honor God. I think it was um, Soren Kierkegaard, purity of heart is to will one thing. I want God. I want the kingdom of God. I want the purposes of God. I want the will of God in my life. And if that's what you desire, you will see God. If, if, you're, if your greatest desire is to know God, to see God, <laughs> um, create in me a clean heart, O oh God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Lord, I get, I, I get that my, my life is not what it should be. And so I want to know you. I want your purposes in my life. The person who, who yearns for that, 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 this quality of desiring God, they will see God. Uh, blessed are uh, the peacemakers, um, these who recognize the world is torn apart by sin. They, they recognize and see sin's great consequence in, the, in, in Cain and Abel. And they recognize conflict and competition and fighting is the way of the human family. And so the peacemakers set themselves to be about being part of the solution rather than part of the problem. They know that we were made to be one human family, flourishing together, sharing the garden, sharing its abundance, sacrificing and laughing and playing and enjoying uh, good, God's good creation together. And they recognize that that is not the state of affairs. And so they give themselves towards that end. Uh, I like the way Eugene said it. You're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. That's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. For such we were born, to be the children of God. God created us to help repair the world, period. God created you to help repair the world. It's broken. And so he brought you into this world not so that you could just get yours and get more of, uh, of, of somebody else's and, and to win and, you know, get, God brought you into the world to help repair the world. At least that's the way the peacemakers understand it, right? That my reason for being is to help heal the, the woundedness and the brokenness of the world. Peacemaking is hard work, my friends. It is hard work. I think I'm just maybe at the outskirts of peacemaking town of trying to understand this in, in some of this work around uh, our denominational realignment as we've begun to have some conversations. Here's what I've observed. We just want to fight. And I'm going, why do we want to fight? You don't even know these people. <laughs> why do you want to fight somebody you've never even met? They're great people. They love Jesus, they love God, they love the word. They interpret things a little differently than I do and you do in some places, but let's not fight them. And so that has emerged just in a couple of these conversations. There's something in us that just wants to punch. And so the, the call to peacemaking, I think, is emerging in, in this denominational conversation that we're under, that's underway. And then finally, um, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Uh, Peterson, you're blessed when your commitment to God provokes persecution. The persecution drives you even deeper into God's kingdom. And yes, it does.
And so as with the poor in spirit, theirs is the kingdom. When we've got nothing, when I, I, I need help, I can't do this on my own. Now you're ready to receive the kingdom. But the persecution drives you into that kingdom. When you give yourself to righteousness and justice, when you give yourself to peacemaking, when your desire is for God and that's your biggest, and you're weeping over the brokenness of the world and you speak that some way and all of a sudden people lash out at you because you're trying to repair the world. It just breaks your heart. Even friends and family and loved ones and others you think you know will sometimes be the ones who will attack you most. Certainly that was Jesus' experience, right? And it drives you deeper into the kingdom. And so each of these beatitudes has some quality of announcing the kingdom of God. It is an upside down kingdom. The, the, the world does not value these qualities. The kingdoms of this world do not value poverty and mourning and meekness and hunger and thirst for righteousness and mercy and purity and peacemaking. And, and, and what the kingdoms of this world will do is to persecute you because of righteousness. And so each of these announce the kingdom of God is here and the kingdom is not like the kingdoms of this world. It is not what you think it is, people. <laughs> and so to his first disciples, those apprenticed to him who'd been taught under the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the scribes and teachers of the law, these who were insisting that the kingdom was about power and about getting back at those Romans and establishing ourselves in charge. And of course, the Sadducees and Pharisees, they were going to be the, the elite upper crust, and they'd already begun to live into that upper crustness. They had missed the whole boat. And so Jesus is going to go on. Do not be like the hypocrites, the scribes and Pharisees. Do not think that's how this kingdom works. And so these beatitudes are going to be the touchstone for the rest of what, of what comes. Um, I want to wrap up with just one more thought, kind of plant the seed, and then we'll, we'll keep going next week. It, it has occurred to me over the years as I've uh, studied and reflected on the Beatitudes that Jesus is the, the, a living Beatitude. He encompasses all eight of these. He, he, in his own life, embodies, incarnates each of these. I only do the will of the Father. <laughs> I come, I have no place to lay my head. Um, he weeps over Jerusalem. He weeps at the, t at the tomb of Lazarus. There's a gentleness um, to me. I am, I am gentle. Those who are weary, you come to me. <laughs> I am gentle in, in soul. Um, there's a mercy. I do not uh, uh, condemn you. Um, go in peace to the woman uh, caught in uh, uh, adultery uh, that they, they bring to him. Who has the first stone to cast? He who is without sin, cast that first stone. The hungering and thirsting for righteousness, trying to set the world right. A purity of heart. He wants only to the, the will uh, of the Father. He is the peacemaker, right? He's trying to restore and repair the world. His cross breaks down the dividing wall of hostility between Jew and Gentile, thus making peace through his blood on the cross. Uh, we read in Ephesians, and he is the persecuted one, persecuted because of righteousness, for, for no sin that he ever committed because he committed no sin. But the world just came against him. The Roman Empire and, and the, the Jewish authorities uh, conspired against him to put him to death. 
And so Jesus is the beatitude, the blessed one, in whom we are blessed, through whom we are blessed. And so, uh, again, this is a meditation on the Beatitudes. He, he doesn't say this at this moment. His whole career has to unfold. But now we look back and can say, oh, Jesus embodies the blessedness of this kingdom as he announces it. So, okay. Well, that'll give you enough for the weekend, uh, something to think about today and over the weekend. I hope to see you in church on Sunday, and uh, we'll pick up on Monday, and we'll uh, go, go uh, we'll get a little more momentum, and we'll get a little further into the Sermon on the Mount, okay? Let's pray. Gracious Father, thank you for revealing Jesus to be the Christ, the Blessed One, in whom all of these and every beatitude is... Uh, uh, finds its full shape and form and incarnation. May these words find root. May these teachings of Jesus find root. May this blessed life find take root uh, in our lives and bear fruit for your glory. Oh God, give us a hunger and thirst for your kingdom and not the kingdoms of this world. As we pray in the name of uh, Jesus, our Savior, who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And may the blessed one, Jesus Christ, may he bless you in every sense of that word this day and forevermore. Amen.